It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about Nolan Shanwell of the Angels, Luis Lara of the Brewers, redrafting the 2022 draft, and why is it so hard to evaluate baseball players in the first place? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And these Monday shows are your shows. If you have questions for the mailbag or show ideas, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Tons of ways to get them to us. By far the best way, though, is our subtext. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes, direct chats with me. They always get priority on things like this. Definitely check it out. First question comes from Nelson, and he asks, is there a chance that the Angels promote first-round draft pick Nolan Shanwell to the bigs this year? And normally I would say there's no chance Nolan Shanwell pitches or plays in the big leagues this year, but it's the Angels. And the Angels have proven to be very aggressive with their top prospects when they think that they are ready. Zach Neto spent less than a year in the minor leagues before he was up in L.A. playing at shortstop and looked held his own at the major league level after coming out of a small program. And so that's why it's very unlikely to me, but I can't say it's not going to happen because They've just shown that they are incredibly aggressive and they've been hurting for at, fir- at first base. They had to DFA Jared Walsh, who's been dealing with some issues and hasn't been able to reach that all-star performance from 2021. And so Nolan will fits that mold of Zach Neto of another smaller school college guy who, uh, you know, looks like he's ready for baseball, surprisingly. He's out of Florida Atlantic, was a number 11 overall pick this year. And the reason why it's 99.9% no is not only because that almost never happens, but even for Nolan Shanwell, like even for the Angels, this is a small sample size. He has 12 total games in the minors. 12. He had three play, he had three games in rookie ball, 12 at-bats. He had two games in A-ball in the California League, the Inland Empire. And then he had he has seven games as of time of recording, recording this uh, on Sunday before the Trash Pandas play their double-A game. So seven games in double-A. So the stat line is good. Don't get me wrong. The stat line is good in those 12 games, right? 381, 500, 476 slash line. Two walks and a triple, no home runs yet. 10 walks to five strikeouts and two for two on stolen bases. He started 10 times at first base and twice at DH. He was announced as an outfielder slash first baseman at the draft. He has not played outfield for the Angels at all this year. He has played nothing but first base. Now, again, I could see a scenario where they're like, we got to find somebody to play first. Let's call him up. It feels very unlikely, again, simply because He's barely done anything, but when you look at him, he's a good defender at first base. He was probably the best first baseman available in the draft, so really good defender at first base. He has really good swing decisions, 
And he does really well, at least I don't have numbers from him in the minors because it's only 12 games, but in college, he did really well about making contact in the zone, as well as making contact in general, and especially against fastballs, right? So uh, for college, 7% strikeout rate. Last year, or this year, technically, this season in college, he had an overall contact rate of 89%. Didn't matter if it was in the zone or out of the zone. That was the grand total. Now, in the zone, 94% contact rate. The pitch is in the zone. He, for the most part, was going to make contact. Fastballs, 97%. Caveat there is, I don't know what kind of velocity he saw on the regular at Florida Atlantic. Being a smaller school, it's the same question we had about Zach Neto coming out of Campbell, is what kind of velocity did he hit? Did he see major league quality stuff? Uh, especially breaking pitches. And so that's what we're looking for from Nolan Shanwell at AA. I'd imagine that's why they got him to AA quickly. Keep him out of, the, out of the California League, but give him a chance to see good pitching so they can properly evaluate him. The Angels like to keep their best prospects in double A simply so they can see how they're going to do. His they've already done a little bit of tinkering, right? When you watched his swing in college, his hands were really high. I caught a little bit of him with the Trash Pandas. They've already worked on lowering his hands a bit, but he still has a really good swing and uh, power's good, but he's focusing on like hitting for average, getting on base, not striking out a ton, things like that. Again, 10 walks to five strikeouts in 12 games. I could see, again, at 99% no, but I could see that path where he tears it up for a few more weeks. LA continues to spin their wheels at first base and they give Nolan Shanuel a shot. It's, again, probably incredibly aggressive, probably a bad idea, but they are doing everything they can to be competitive in Shohei Otani's final year of team control. So, We'll see what happens. Another question, this one from Barry about Luis Lara of the Brewers. Can he be a top 100 prospect by the end of the season? Kind of a quick reminder here, international free agent in 2022, signed for $1.1 million by the Brewers. He came straight stateside this year and went straight to single A, so skipped complex altogether. And 64 games, in the complex, 291, 385, 363. Two home runs, 13 extra base hits. I think he has one triple. 36 walks to 43 strikeouts, 21 on 29 on stolen bases. A couple things he does really well, a couple things to work on. Switch hitter, really good zone awareness, and a really short swing. He's good at picking up if a ball is going to, if a pitch is going to be a ball or a strike. But if he gets fooled on something, the swing is quick enough where he could get it he could get the bat into the zone quick enough to at least foul it off and stay alive. The exit velos are pretty decent. I mean, he's hit 108, I think, is his max. I don't have the 90th percentile, but the max is 108. Uh, the issue here, the frame, 5'7", 155, right? He's got some good, uh, he, he has good bat speed, but the question is, what is his power ceiling going to be? I do think for being an 18-year-old, he's doing very well. If you pull a list of all of the 18-year-olds in full season ball, he has the fifth highest WRC plus at 124%. Walk rate, 14%. Strikeout rate, probably fine. But again, 
the questions, the power ceiling, the isolated slugging percent, like 0.163, significantly lower than everybody else on that list, by the way, too, if you're looking at that list. And so the like 70 speed, the range is good and defense is going to be probably plus defense in center field. The arms average to above average. I just don't know if he's shown the power ceiling to climb up into the top 100. I do think like going into the year, he was somewhere around the midpoint of a lot of these prospect lists for the Brewers. I think he's going to climb up easily into probably their top five or so. But I just don't know if he's going to break a top 100. It feels like without flashing significantly more power in the second half, he's probably not going to. But if everything works right, I could see him being a 15 to 20 home run guy in the bigs. Uh, Real quick, had a question about Wilfred Varis of the Chicago White Sox and some of the thoughts on him and somebody where a lot of work to do to get him to where he needs to be uh, as a weapon for you. Just got promoted to double A, 92 games in high A with the Winston-Salem Dash. 277, 316, 438, 11 home runs, 37 extra base hits, 20 walks to 101 strikeouts. So a lot of strikeouts, a lot of pitch recognition issues that come with that. I do also get worried that he's going to end up stuck because of the speed is solidly 40 and the arm is only average. I'm worried that as an outfielder, he's going to get stuck in left field. I just, I don't think he has the arm to play third base. I don't think he really has the foot speed to play, to even play left field that well. So he's going to have to hit. And obviously, strikeout rate right around 30% tells you he has a lot of work to do. Now, that being said, the power is probably plus power, but the everydayers can say it with me. Your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. Going to AA Birmingham, I wonder if this is going to end up being a repeat of Project Birmingham or if this is just a standard year this year they've given up on that idea. I'm going to try to find out more about that and I'll give you more about that so as soon as I know. In just a minute, I had a request to redraft the 2022 MLB draft based on performance. And a couple names you probably expected and one you probably didn't. We'll do that next right here. Unlocked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Dave. Dave is the banking app that is leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. You can advance the money you need with no interest, and then you settle up later. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. Millions of people have downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So download Dave today at dave.com slash MLB. That's dave.com slash MLB. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Okay, so we had a question uh, from Jordan about if you were redoing the first round of the 2022 MLB draft, what would you, who would be the picks? And obviously we have a segment here, not a full show. Even a full show would be tough because we've got 20 something minutes to get 30 picks in, but 
I can at least give you a top five. And I think number one is going to be the pick the Orioles made, Jackson Holiday. It's the only pick of these five that's actually going to stick around. Jackson Holiday would be my number one pick in that draft. He, now, reminder, they took Jackson Holiday overtaking Drew Jones like everybody expected them to. And in 83 games between A-ball, high A, and double A for Jackson Holiday, 341, 461, 534, nine home runs, 36 extra base hits, 67 walks to 75 strikeouts, 20 to 28 on stolen bases. Uh, taking Jackson Holiday was not necessarily just a saving money thing by the Baltimore Orioles legitimately thought that those two guys were pretty close to even on their board, the other guy being Drew Jones. And so because of that, they went with the guy with better positional versatility, who they had more belief in, and that was Jackson Holiday. So credit to the Orioles, Baltimore fans, I don't hate your team. I just hated your trade deadline because I thought you needed more than one starting pitcher at the deadline. Baltimore Orioles fans are up in arms about last week's trade deadline recap and grades where we said that Baltimore dropped the ball because they only got one starting pitcher, and that one starting pitcher was Jack Flaherty. He's going to be fine. He had a good outing his first outing. I just thought Baltimore needed more than one pitcher, and they had tons of prospects. And everybody's argument was, we're ahead of the timeline. We're going to be doing this for a lot of years. And guys, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen with luck. I would have sacrificed another prospect or two. And if you listened to the show, which none of them did, I said, don't trade Jackson Holiday, but you've got eight top 100 prospects in AAA Norfolk that don't have room to play at the major league level. You could have afforded to take another one of those guys or even two of those guys to go get another pitcher versus just getting Jack Flaherty. But it's fine. I still... Jackson Holiday was a good pick. The front office has done a very good job of drafting and scouting these prep and college players. Good job by you. Very good job there. Baltimore fans, I don't hate your team, I promise. The number two pick, and again, we're ignoring money here. We're ignoring team. It's just we're going off of performance. The number two pick for me, and a lot of other draft and prospect people would have also said this, is Zach Neto, right? Uh, it's something where Zach Neto is, I'm not, nobody's a sure thing in the draft, right? Everybody, and we're going to get that in the third segment, why it's so hard to evaluate baseball players. But Zach Neto has done it now at the MLB level. He's holding his own at the MLB level less than a year after getting drafted. And uh, having talked to folks around the prospect apparatus, there are people who have had this exact same conversation we're having right now, and they have said they would take Zach Neto number one over Jackson Holiday simply because he's doing it at the major league level. 67 games for Zach Neto, and he's been playing through like minor injuries and stuff. 241, 315, 411, eight home runs, 22 extra base hits, 12 walks to 54 strikeouts, five of five on stolen bases. He doesn't look overmatched defensively. He doesn't look overmatched offensively. He looks like an MLB player, and he looked like an MLB player less than a year after getting drafted. If you were going to go back to the 2022 MLB draft, knowing everything you knew right now, Zach Neto would either be the number one or number two overall pick, simply because so much of the calculus 
is, does this translate to the major leagues? And with Zach Neto, we know that at the very least, you would get, for a shortstop, perfectly average to slightly above average performing shortstop. You would take that in the top couple picks every single time if you had the information and knew he was going to work out. Number three, I've got Cade Horton of the Cubs. We talked about him getting tons of helium in Omaha. Started the year off playing third base because he was still recovering from Tommy John, but 16 games this year for Cade Horton between A-ball, high A, and double A. Three and three with a 303 ERA in 65 and a third innings pitched. 92 strikeouts, so 12.7 per nine for Cade Horton. 16 walks, 2.2 per nine. The fastball has looked as good as advertised, but he's also looked, the, the secondaries have gotten better. The locations are better. The placement is better. There is zero reason to not think that Cade Horton would have been a top three prospect had you known exactly what he could do and what he would be able to do going back and looking at it now. Kate Horton's phenomenal. I think he's probably one. I haven't actually sat down to make this list, but off the top of my head, he's probably a top five right-hand pitching prospect in baseball, if not number top three. That's how good Kate Horton is right now. If you're going back and redoing that draft, you're taking him at three. Number four, I've got, Probably a little bit of a surprise. Brooks Lee, who the Twins took. 89 games between AA and AAA because Brooks Lee, who has already been moved to AAA, he was taking number eight. We're not, it's not a big advance here, but 288, 364, 67, mostly in AA. He's got two games in AAA as of time of recording, but 11 home runs, 42 extra base hits for Brooks Lee in 89 games, 42 extra base hits. 41 walks to 65 strikeouts, 6 to 10 on stolen bases. Defensively, he's looked perfectly fine. He can play short or third. Going to be better at third. Just less defensive requirements there, but has looked really good. Carlos Correa has struggled a little bit. Some of that's been getting over injury, things like that. I don't think they're going to replace Correa with Lee, but I do think you have an opening to, to evaluate at the very end of the year, especially if the Twins end up not being in it to win the division, you have the opportunity to evaluate Lee for a short time period and preserve rookie eligibility for next year. Now, you got a lot of, I expect a trade from Minnesota in the offseason. You have a lot of pieces here. You have a lot of guys who can play third base or second base or guys that can't really play second base, but they're still out there like Edward Ulian. We love our Canadian prospect, God of Walks, but he's just not a great defender. And so... Like, you definitely have to figure out playtime. He's blocked right now, but you're going to make room for Brooks Lee. And if you're redoing the draft last year, of everybody in the first round, you're probably taking him at number four, which means the Twins got it right taking him at eight, just like the Cubs got it right taking Kate Horton at seven, right? And then number five, a guy that wasn't even in the first round, but Jacob Mizorowski. We saw him at the Futures game. We saw him pop over 100 miles an hour. He was a second rounder by the Brewers, but 18 games so far, another guy that's done A, high A, double A this year. Three and one, three, six, five ERA in 61 and two thirds innings, 89 strikeouts. So 13 strikeouts per nine to 35 walks, 5.1 per nine. Obviously the walks are a little bit of an issue, but Jacob Mizorowski has the stuff. He has the size of he's six, seven. He gets phenomenal extension. 
it's the fastball plays up off of its already good velocity. If I remember right at the features game, we saw him break 100 or come something like that. Great stuff. You've got to work on locating it, which is just hard for anybody who's 6'7 to do. But if you're going back and you're looking at this, look at some of the pitchers who were taken in that first round. If you were going off of this year's performance, you'd take Mizorowski over them, right? Owen Murphy by the Braves at 20. Slow to come back because of injury and everything. Cooper Yerpy of the Cardinals at 22. You're taking him over that. Dylan Lesko of the Padres at 15. Uh, Kumar Rocker was taken at three, and he's not even available now because he got hurt. Going back and looking, Noah Schultz of the White Sox has looked good in his limited play, but he's also just come back recently. If you're looking at that draft, you're taking Jacob Mizorowski over all of those guys uh, with the fifth pick. In just a minute, Sean had a question. He's been asking this for a while, and I haven't been able to get to it, about why evaluating baseball players is so hard. And we'll get to that next right here on Locked and MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. If you are a baseball fan and you have this issue with not necessarily understanding that the goal of having a good baseball team is to win the World Series and you think, oh, it's we have a timeline and we're ahead of our timeline. So it's okay that we chose not to go for it this year. If you're in denial about what your front office did at the deadline. And the only way that you can get those feelings out is to lash out at a podcast host who points out that you had extra prospects that you could have used to go get another starting pitcher and you chose not to do it. Then maybe something like BetterHelp is the thing for you. It's the idea here is it's online, okay? You don't have to publicly walk around talking about your insecure about your team's chances this year and you're a little bit worried in the back of your head that the pitching's not going to hold out because they're all past their career highs. Uh, It's online. It's convenient. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You can request an appointment and hop on after a blown save. You can, when you have a starter have go down and you have to replace him all of a sudden the same day, you can get a quick appointment on BetterHelp to talk about it before the game starts. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If the fact that your therapist thinks, yes, you should have gone forward at the deadline and gotten a second pitcher, if that bothers, you can go ask for a new therapist from BetterHelp. So let therapy be your map to the World Series with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on MLB. Okay, so Sean had some great questions, actually, but he asked about why it's so hard to evaluate baseball players compared to other sports, right? You look at at the NFL, you look at the NBA, and it feels like more NFL players, first-round picks pan out than first-round picks in MLB and things like that. And you're right, it is. Even in, even the first round, I think you only have a 50-50 shot of making it to the bigs if you're a first-round pick in MLB. And so there's a lot of different reasons for this. And baseball does all of the athletic testing, right? They do the same thing that they have a version of the combine, just like the NFL does, where they come in, they give you, they, they do height and weight, and they check your speed, and they have you do drills, and 
They do vision tests. Sean asked about some of those vision tests and things like that. It's They do all the standardized stuff that everybody does, right? Nobody's finding something new on a vision, like on a, there's no leading, cutting edge stuff you can do there, right? Some teams are starting to evolve from the basic like vision test to better like hand-eye coordination tests and things like that, visual acuity tests. And that's actually what the Yankees used to help diagnose Anthony Rizzo with his post-concussion symptoms was he wasn't doing as well on a visual acuity test as he did on the baseline before the season. But when it comes to evaluating baseball players, I think the biggest reason why it's so hard is one, it's not just injuries, but baseball is so much more of a mental game and it's a grind, right? Football regular season, 17 games. Basketball is, I think, 82 for the regular season. Uh, Baseball is 162. And physically, there's a different type of uh, physical stamina you have to have as a baseball player versus what you need as a basketball or a football player because you play so much more. Uh, But then also mentally, the game is so much tougher versus football and basketball. And I'm not saying those sports are not tough. I'm saying baseball because you play for so long. Your season is so long and you're playing almost every single day. You mentally have to stay locked in for longer and that is harder to do. And baseball is a sport centered around failure. If you're a hitter and you get a hit four times out of 10 for your career, you are in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest hitters in baseball history. Baseball centered around failure. A good baseball player is getting a hit three times out of 10, and he's one of the best players in the league. And so the mental stress of constantly failing is very difficult to deal with. And we just don't have good ways to measure that aspect of the game, right? We can measure your bat speed. We can measure... Like when you were actually playing at whatever level you were playing at. And that's another thing is just you have high schoolers and college kids mixed together and all of that. And a lot of the development happens during those formative years. Like for a lot of prep players, they're 19 years old and they're now a professional baseball player. And you're completely different at 19 than you are at 22. Or you get drafted at 21, you're completely different at 22, 23 than you were at 2021. But you exert so much. And it's still, you still fail so often in baseball that like we just don't have a great way to figure out the mental side of baseball. We can't measure that. We still have to scout. We still have to go. And injuries could derail that. Uh, it could be mental. It could be physical. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of variables that go into baseball. And I would say more so than football or basketball. Baseball is a team sport full of individual matchups and the discipline required to stay locked in for an entire season, both physically and mentally, and have the discipline to get over failure is so incredibly tough. Fantastic week this week. So we are doing something this week. We're going to talk about the New York Mets. 
and the Chicago White Sox, two of the sellers at the deadline. We're going to rank their farm systems with those new prospects, okay? Won't get to everybody on the show, but subscribers to the subtext will get links to all of those rankings. So if you're interested in that, links in the episode description. Go ahead and think about signing up now. In the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay a